0: To find simple ways to boost your true wealth.
1: Welcome. It's Crystal Arnold, your hostess of Money Wise Women and founder of Money Morphosis. So, I've been doing this show for two years now and would like to tell you a little bit more about my own story and why I have come to take a stand for economic justice and speak to a new world that is emerging, an economy where people care for one another, where value circulates within local communities. Can you imagine coming together for 90 minutes with people in your community and building trust, connection, and imagining you could find most of the things you need in that short amount of time. The fact is, we all have amazing things to offer, and when we share, life becomes easier for us all. I've been working for the last year and a half with the Post-Growth Institute, developing the offers and needs market, which, as I said, is this 90-minute process where community members come together to identify and exchange their passion, knowledge, skills, resources and needs. It's amazing the variety of things that people offer from, you know, graphic design to hospice care, a place to live, people offering apples, all kinds of goods and services. And we found that this is a really quick, efficient way to find a trustworthy match. We've designed the offers and needs market to unearth the variety of talents and wealth we each possess. It reminds us of our immense value and that so much of what we need is right here in our own communities. We put on... Uh, an incredible offers and needs market here uh, in the Rogue Valley last weekend at the Bellevue Grange. We packed the house with almost 100 people and the excitement in the room was palpable. People were so excited to connect face to face with people they knew and strangers and what was incredible was there were wealthy people and homeless people all sitting at the same table, connecting as humans, having offers and needs, no matter what their financial class, one participant, Kristen Lefevre of the Pollinator Project of the Rogue Valley said, this event was the most effective way I've ever seen of strengthening community connections in a short amount of time. I was inspired by the array of capabilities, knowledge, services, and products that people have to offer. This was a valuable networking event because you find out about what people in your community have to offer that you might not otherwise know about. So there really was uh, a Uh, on incredible synchronicities that happens. I also saw Uh, facilitated this in Portland last month for a group of 60 women at a workshop and we actually wrote up post-it notes on the wall and people were were really making all of the value in the room visible in a really tangible accessible way and uh, you know there were incredible synchronicities people who said I I put out my blue sky need something uh, that was kind of obscure one woman uh, needed help rezoning her property an hour away in Washington, and so that she could do continue to do the community events and gatherings there. And someone at her table knew someone in the planning department there who she could connect her with. We've seen people get connected with meaningful work. Actually, there was an event uh, run by one of our facilitators, Tenor Ali, in. Washington a few years back and uh, there was a woman there who was about to step down from her job as executive director at a nonprofit. and there was another woman there who was looking for a meaningful career move just like the position the woman had available and so this younger woman traveled 3,000 miles across the country to move to Washington and and became director of, of this not-for-profit and these kinds of synchronicities we've also seen real tangible things get connected like wood flooring that someone had that was extra and someone else who needed that it's just a variety of things from goods and services to um, really urgent needs like at our last event there was a single mom with four kids including a three-month-old infant who she had had at the event, who recently became homeless because the rental she had just moved into was infested with black molds, which made all of her children incredibly sick, so they had to move out with very little resources and uh, She made a really heartfelt request from the group for housing and support. And so it's that kind of thing where we really can feel the hearts of other people in a way that Craigslist just doesn't let us do. Priceless. Can you see the light appearing on the horizon of our hearts? We are evoking a new story of humanity. We are awakening gifts through the pleasure of service. Have you ever felt that satisfaction that money just can't buy? Our value is beyond measure. Each one of us, a treasure chest of gifts so sacred, they cannot be plundered. Prosperity is within us. Forget this notion of original sin. Generosity flows as a result of our original blessing. This precious life is a gift beyond measure. There is nothing you can buy, achieve, own, or rent that can satisfy the hunger for a sense of belonging and wonder. We are a living prayer, priceless. Regeneration through the exchange of gifts is realized through giving. We are each born with fortunes waiting to awaken. A sacred marketplace will nourish people and planet. We are pioneers creating actual value. Your true wealth cannot be repossessed. We don't need any more abstract derivatives that siphoned money into the gilded bunkers of fear and greed. This extractive economy is abusive and we are all suffering the trauma of scarcity. Now is the time to say enough is enough. Because enough is enough. Exchange is an intimate act. It's how we care for one another. Life thrives by feeding itself through this energy that arcs between us. Every act of love contributes vitality to this living planet. A healthy circulation of value is healing. Through sacred markets, we engage in meaningful ways. Now is the time to change our story, to reveal the truth about money and value. So if you're inspired about the Offers and Needs market, again, you can check it out at offersandneeds.com. You can also make a tax-deductible contribution to the Post-Growth Institute, at postgrowth.org slash donate. And we will be running a facilitator's program early next year for training people like you who may want to bring this into your own communities and have a simple, effective process where you can not only bring out the wealth in your own community, but really be seen as a leader and someone who creates value and i am so excited as i've been doing this work for the last uh, gosh 14 years now um that that there is uh, emergent strategies for greater um, sovereignty and quality of economy which does not extract value so, I would love to tell you a little bit more when. I first got interested in money. It was in 2004, and I had just returned from living in Guatemala for about six months. And I happened to get a job at the Bank of Jackson Hole in Wyoming. I was executive assistant to the vice president and was writing up a lot of the loan proposals for people, very wealthy people doing speculative houses and all kinds of projects. And so I began to see that money was created through loans that people would sign the agreements and then money would appear in their bank. And, and I also saw the power of compounding interest during this time. Uh, The president of the bank had just been uh, put in federal prison shortly before I was hired. And part of my uh, duties was to copy all of the fraudulent loan documents that he had created uh, to do his crimes um, for for the investigators. So I got to see how someone with so much money and power and prestige uh, had this greed driving him where he basically fraudulently changed their loan agreements and interest rates to skim money off of the top into his own accounts. And having just come from Guatemala, I I began to think about the power of microloans and and money as as far as giving people a better quality of life. And so I began to take college courses and uh, move to Ashland, Oregon, where I still live to finish up my degree in international economics at uh, Southern Oregon University. And during this time, I became very interested with complementary currencies and socially responsible investing and ways that communities could reclaim some of their financial authority and, and really, um, bolster their local economies. And so uh, I began, I I graduated from SOU and I had about $30,000 in student loans, which came due about six months later. And it was at that time that I realized no one had taught me how to manage my own personal finances I had gone through this extensive education and yet was never required to take personal finance courses. So I took a course at that time called Conscious Bookkeeping, um, created by Barry Tesler, who was a graduate of Naropa University, um, a somatic therapist who came to a similar awakening as me about um, the disconnection between awareness consciousness our relationship with money and and our finances and so i learned the practical skills as bookkeeping as well as how to hold space for people to explore their own personal relationship with money so then i began to teach workshops with women around money and i tell you there was so much power in discussing money together because it's such a taboo topic that we opened these transformational doorways together in these small groups when we explored our relationship to money, how we grew up and what our deep-seated beliefs were and how that affected our behavior. And often people would I'd just be crying and and so relieved to know that they were not alone in their struggles with money and that uh, they were able to to talk freely about some of the ways that they were suffering because of their beliefs about money, and then I took a few years off while I had my children and, uh, and came back into teaching workshops and, and took those into online courses where I brought in uh, world-class guest faculty, and you can still find those and access those on my website at www.money-morphosis.com and those were called Discover Your True Wealth was about um, your money mindset and then um, your find your money voice was about communication skills around money, how to have those difficult conversations, how to develop your emotional intelligence for greater prosperity. And I started this radio show because I saw that there were so many incredible women leaders in the field of finance, economics, psychology, who were dedicated towards creating a healthier relationship with money and really have enjoyed uh, interviewing nearly a hundred women now on the show. So, let's talk about some of the the myths of economics and, uh, and and why these are so important to really explore. I did a uh, talk at Southern Oregon University uh, a few months ago for the money and banking course. And so we really busted through some of these foundational beliefs that are at the heart of modern economics. And I promise I'll, I'll keep this interesting and and so often we think that economics is a boring dry mathematical subject, and I actually see it as a very interesting look into human behavior, our values as, as a species, and crucial towards understanding how we can evolve into a more life-affirming economy. So two of these uh, foundations are that, uh, one of the rational consumer that microeconomics is founded on, and two is that growth equals success and this is the foundation of macroeconomics. So first of all, we have this belief that there are rational consumers, that each time you make a spending uh, decision, you <laughs> you calculate in your head the, the cost and benefit to you. And this is simply not true. Uh, behavioral psychologists actually look at the nuances of people's choices including the their choice of goals the type of actions and commitments they're willing to take and then all of the limitations and influences that affect those choices so this is obvious that we are much more emotional emotionally engaged with our Economic choices than rationally, and and we see this in in the market behavior. You know, when there's a scare that there's a bubble, or the stock market's falling, people are m- very emotionally driven, that they want to follow what the herd is doing, and and the social uh, pressure for um, belonging and and um, conformity is very strong, and so. I really believe that understanding our motivation as humans and accounting for a more holistic sense of what value and wealth is to us is actually extremely important because we are not robots operating in sterile environments, making these calculations. And so this is the first first myth is that of the rational consumer. Secondly, we have this myth of growth being the apex of our success. And when we look at GDP and the way that economists frame things, success is seen as as that the economy is growing. And yet, what natural system grows indefinitely? It's simply not a law of nature, we see cancer is is the closest equivalent something that continues to grow without uh, the fluctuations of of growth and death. And so, it, what does a post growth economy look like? And how do we orient towards uh, moving our money and our relationships into more of a not for profit business environments where This is a circular economy where money and resources are being recycled back into the local communities to meet the needs of the people instead of having them extracted in the modern corporate uh, business structure into the hands of fewer and fewer shareholders and then a welfare state, which collects taxes to uh, subsidize, uh, you know, low wages lack of health care and and all of these things that that frankly we are seeing increase in the in the wealth inequality and that the myth of the modern american dream is is quickly fading because frankly uh looking at the numbers as an economist Like I said, there is increasing wealth consolidation because of these dynamics of compounding interest and the corporate mandate for profit growth and extraction of wealth into the hands of a few. Let's also talk more about money as debt. I recommend a book called Debt: The First 5000 Years by David Graeber, G R A E B E R, who is a cultural anthropologist who has just presented um an amazing look at over the last 5,000 years from the first agrarian empires that humans have used these elaborate credit systems to buy and sell goods and, and really looking at debt and debt forgiveness as, as a really crucial part of evolving as a society now. And so, Money is brought into existence through debt, through the Federal Reserve, which is a group of private banks, which then lends this money at compounding interest rates to the government, businesses, private individuals. And because there is compounding interest, there is never enough money in circulation to repay the debts owed. This is the foundation of scarcity. This is why people are competing, scrambling over one another to get to the top, to get the money, to not be the loser who gets uh, bankrupted. And so we have these predatory, abusive lending uh, behaviors and patterns, payday loans at outrageous interest rates, Bank of America charging fees if you have less than a few thousand dollars in your bank account. We see constantly that it is expensive to be poor in this country and that we need financial justice. The average household debt is $16,000 and this is not including mortgages. Student loan debts are $1.4 trillion in America, second only to mortgage debt. They average $37,000 in student loan debt per year. And these often have um, high interest rates. And the cost of college in the last 20 years has grown over three times the rate of inflation, And lastly, we also have public debt, which now is $20 trillion, and there's a 104% debt-to-GDP ratio, which means we have more debt than the value that we are producing annually. And uh, generally, economists get concerned when it's up over about 70%. It just becomes unrealistic for for the nation state to repay its debts. And we saw this in the Greek crisis and many other countries, including Spain, are uh, really on the brink of of being unsustainable to even being able to make their loans. And and same with student loan debt. Uh, It's over almost 15% of student loans are now in default status. And this is an underlying crisis that creates great insecurity, stress, and and uncertainty is is this debt situation in a debt-based economy, which is literally cannibalizing itself, eating, extracting the value from our human resources, our environmental resources. So what's one possible solution? Well, one thing I'd like to tell you about is, is public banking. And public banking, you can find out more at publicbankinginstitute.org. In 2011, it was um, officially Launched as a movement currently uh, the Public Bank of North Dakota is the only one in america and uh, it's it's very important to understand the significance of public authority to issue its own money and lend money. Because uh, the cost of some of these public projects, such as building a big, multi-million-dollar bridge, say, if that could be financed through a public bank, uh, often the cost of those projects is thirty to fifty percent of the cost is actually goes to interest to the private banks and so if we could build our infrastructure and invest in our own communities through public banking a lot of that money that is being extracted into the hands of private shareholders of private banks could be recirculated into the community so that's one uh, one solution and the second is financial literacy is really encouraging individuals to track their own money, to be aware of where their investments and their 401k retirement accounts are going into and aligning your deepest held values with both your spending, earning and investing choices. And so that is crucial is having financial literacy and making choices that are in alignment with your value. And finally, talking about money, and this is why I love doing this show and interviewing people and having workshops and conversations that matter, because to me, money can be something that brings us closer together instead of driving us apart, as it does today Is a taboo topic that's not talked about in families, that money... Is creating uh, separation because we are ashamed we are guilty, we feel uh, fear around our financial situation and are often embarrassed to to reach out and ask for support or help with that so I just want to let you know that you are are not alone in your financial struggles and that uh, it's it, money is a great gateway into becoming more empowered and a leader in your own household in the way that you manage your flow of resources and your communities as far as how you invest and get involved in in creating a more vibrant local economy. The Post-Growth Institute which you can find out more about at www.postgrowth.org. And I have been working with uh, co founder Donnie McClurkin for the past year now and feel like this nonprofit is poised to really roll out some incredible projects which are um, creating a more circular economy. We have a um, several things I will tell you about now, um, including the offers and needs market And a very exciting credit union commercial capabilities study. There is a book which will be coming out called How on Earth, which discusses a not-for-profit business model, which could bridge our current economy into a more thriving future as we begin to circulate resources and profits back into our communities instead of extracting them into private shareholder Pockets. So let me tell you a little bit about um, the credit union study. So as you may know, credit unions are gaining in popularity at an amazing rate. They are not-for-profit financial institutions and offer individuals innovative banking alternatives that really keeps money circulating into local economies. They also play an important role for many small businesses providing lending and basic commercial services. When for-profit banks won't. If you could imagine that these credit unions could offer larger businesses the same comprehensive services being offered by big for-profit banks. And if this occurred, many larger businesses, like, say, our local food cooperative, could begin moving their uh, accounts over to credit unions and restoring economic justice to communities and giving ethical businesses the chance to align their banking with their values. So this credit union commercial capabilities studies explores what's holding back the development of full business services within U.S. credit unions and look at what it will take for those barriers to be overcome. So even though there are fundamental flaws that create scarcity in the economic system, there are also innovative systems and projects emerging now to create a more healthy, vibrant, thriving economy. And so I encourage you to Take a look at at my website. I have a free five-day challenge to discover your true wealth, which goes more into the true wealth template and what is possible when you create a more holistic sense of your wealth, including your assets and liabilities. And so check that out. Check out postgrowth.org and um, just really question what is most important to you and how you can align your money with your values in in um, to create greater financial justice in this country at this critical time and so thank you for listening and and really engaging I am so pleased to Bring these quality and caliber of women guests to you and to continue to serve towards creating a more just and
0: equitable economy for all. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s dot com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.